Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, well, well this morning is going to be really simple. Um, we're just going to take a look at, uh, really, at the gospel. So if you have a Bible, go with me to John chapter 3. Uh, that's where we'll spend a little bit of time this morning uh, looking at a story of Jesus and a man named Nicodemus uh, who was a religious leader but who, um, who had some questions for Jesus. And, and so maybe you're here this morning and uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're just here this morning because, uh, because your kid was getting a certificate for uh, vacation Bible school, or, or maybe maybe you're in church for the first time in, in a long time this morning, and maybe you have some questions about Jesus, or not even really sure about w- what what this whole church thing is all about. Uh, I'm not going to answer all of your questions this morning, but but I do want to share just a little bit about who Jesus is and about how you can come to know Him this morning. So in John chapter three, uh, we're going to read verses one through sixteen. You can remain seated. Just follow along with me. It says, there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him, meaning Jesus at night, and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs, uh, perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things, Jesus replied? Truly, I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses was lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. As we've already said, we continue to thank you for each and every one of the boys and girls who were here this week during Vacation Bible School as we learned what it means to be rescued by Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to to minister to them this week. And I pray this morning you would touch our hearts and touch our minds with your word. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now, each, as you heard a few moments ago, each night this week we learned uh, about how Jesus rescues us. Uh, We talked about things like when we do wrong, Jesus rescues. Uh, Maybe when we're scared, Jesus rescues. Nicodemus, even though he was a religious man, was lost. He, he, didn't, he didn't know which way was up, religiously speaking. And so what I want us to understand this morning is that even when we're lost, Jesus rescues. 
You know, in, in life, we have laws that, that govern uh, our, our physical realm, right? So, uh, for instance, we have the law of gravity, which is always, I've always felt like was a major bummer. Like, like I, wanted, I thought it would be cool like, if I could just fly. Wouldn't that be awesome? But we don't. We have the law of gravity that keeps us on the ground. And just like we have physical laws that, that govern our existence, there are spiritual laws that, that govern our existence as well. And I just want to look at those really quickly this morning. We're going to start with good news, we're going to talk about bad news, and then we're going to finish with good news, okay? So let's, let's start with good news. First, the first spiritual law, the first good news that we see in the Bible, is that, that God loves you and he offers a wonderful plan for your life. You know, I think a lot of times when, we, when somebody will start talking about um, God and talk about our need for Christ, that they'll start off by saying, in essence, well, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Now, to be clear, I think the Bible tells us that, right? That we are sinners. In fact, we'll look at that here in a second. But, but I think far more, we need to start with the good news. We need to understand that, that the whole reason we want to share the gospel, the whole reason we want to come to know who Jesus is, is because God loves you and God loves me. And he has a wonderful plan for your life that if you are not yet a follower of Christ, you can't even fathom. It's better than, the Bible says, God's, God's plan is better than anything we could ask or imagine. We, see, we saw this in John 3.16, which we read just a few moments ago. God loved the world in this way. It says he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then John 10.10, 10, uh, Jesus said this. He said, a, John, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you have this picture of God that, that says he, he, wants to, he wants to ruin your life. That, that, that in order to become a follower of Christ, it would mean that everything fun in your life would have to stop. Can I just tell you, that's a, that's a lie, I believe, from the pit of hell. Because the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus has a life for you that you can't even imagine. He says, I've come so that they may have a life and have it in abundance. In Christ is real life. So, if that's the case then, if... if God loves us and he offers a wonderful plan for our life. What prevents us from knowing God? What prevents us from experiencing that life? And this is where the bad news comes in. See, the, the second spiritual law is that man is sinful and separated from God. So, so, so to sin, that's a, that's a word that came out of archery. And so when we see that in, in the, the Bible text written in the first century... People understood that, that we, as an archer, they were aiming for direct center of the bullseye. And to miss that mark at all was to sin. It simply means to miss the mark, to, to not be perfect. And so because we're separated from God, we, we cannot know his love. We can't know him personally or experience his love. And the Bible makes clear that everyone who's ever lived except for Jesus Christ himself. So that's you and that's me, is sinful. And the Bible says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, in, 
in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, in the Bible, we're told that man was created to have fellowship with God. But because of his own stubborn self-will, he chose to go his own way, his independent way, and, and that fellowship with God was broken. Because early on, the, the first humans, our first parents, Adam and Eve, decided that they knew better than God, and they decided to follow their own way. And this rebellion is an evidence of what the Bible calls sin. And that sin leads to separation from God. We see that in Romans 6, 23. It's for, for the wages, what sin earns is death. Not, not just physical death, although that is a consequence that we see in, in Genesis, but spiritual death, this separation from God. In the Bible, it tells us that the, the penalty for this death, or the, the result of this death is a place called hell, which is eternal separation from God. This, this little diagram uh, illustrates it a little bit. We, we have holy God, and, and we are sinful men and women. And no matter how much good we do, we cannot attain, we can't reach holy God. In fact, the Bible in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, would say that all of our righteous deeds, all the, all the best things that you've ever done on your best day are as filthy rags in the eyes of holy God. Now, you might be here and you might be saying, well, I'm better than most people I know. And, and I have two things to say to that. First of all, pride is a sin that's mentioned in the Bible as well. Secondly, um, the standard is not other people. The standard is holy God. standard is not other people. The standard of our lives is almighty, holy, perfect, righteous God. And while we might be trying to continually reach God and establish that relationship with him through our own personal efforts or of, of a good life or maybe the right philosophy or even the right religion, this fails. That's, why, that's where the third law comes in that we're going to talk about. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. Through him alone, we can know God personally and experience God's love. Because here's what the Bible says. We just talked about how the, the wages of sin is death. The Bible makes clear that Christ that died the death that we deserve. Romans 5, 8, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then he proved who he was by not only dying on the cross for us, but in raising from the dead three days later. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He's writing to believers who, whom he had taught, and he said, I passed on to you as most important what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried according, uh, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas. That is a guy that we know by the name of Peter. And then to the twelve, the rest of the disciples. And then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. See, for the first, in today's world, I think sometimes we've made the, our culture has made the story of Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead uh, a myth. And so they'll put it up there, maybe even with Homer's Iliad or the Odyssey. 
In, in some cases, you have people who will say it's nothing more than a children's story. So we'll put it up there with like the Little Mermaid. But understand that in the first century, for the first century believers, there was no question. They staked their lives to the claim that Jesus not only lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross, but then three days later rose from the dead. And men who ran away on the night that Jesus was arrested, his disciples ran in fear for their lives. These very men who spent three years with Jesus would later, to a man, suffer persecution. And every single one of them, except for one, would give his life because he would not recant that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, died on the cross, and rose three days later. If these men who walked with Jesus, who would have known better, were willing to give their lives for that truth, I, I would argue with you this morning, it's worth your time considering the, the truth, the veracity of this claim that Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible also makes clear that Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I'm going to say something that's very non-politically correct, okay? This means that if Jesus is the only way, this means that Buddha is not. That Muhammad is not. Jesus alone. And let me explain why. This diagram will show what I mean. A while ago, we saw that we were separated from holy God, and we are sinful man, and we, we can't bridge that gap. Every other world religion, every other world religion is man's attempt to reach God through the right philosophy or by being in the right state of mind, by doing enough good things to, to, so that the good outweighs the bad in the scales of life. Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the only religious system that says when we were powerless to reach God, God reached down for us. This is the truth I want you to understand this morning. When you and I were powerless to bridge this gulf, God sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place to pay the penalty for our sins. Now, here's the last law. So you can agree with all this. You can say, okay, um, yes, I believe that, that God has a good and, and perfect plan for my life. I believe that, uh, that I'm a sinner. I believe I'm in need of a savior. I believe that, that Jesus Christ is, is God's provision for sin. You can believe all that and still not know Jesus personally as Lord and Savior. Because the last spiritual law I want to talk about this morning is that we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And here's what that means. It doesn't matter whether your grandparents or your parents were Christians. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church or not. It doesn't matter that you were born in the United States of America. This is a decision you make on your own to trust, to turn from sin, to trust in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And when we do, when you do, you can know and experience God's love and plan for your life. Here's what the Bible says. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be called, or to be children of God, to those who believe in his 
name. The idea here is one of adoption, that God has adopted us through Christ into his family. And receive Christ through faith, meaning trust. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Paul writes, For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Saved by grace. That means you, you get something that you didn't earn. Through faith, belief, and trust. It's God's gift. Not, not something you earn. Remember, we, we talked about what we earn earlier through our sin. We earn separation from God. God's gift, in spite of what we have earned, is life, salvation. Then when we receive Christ, we experience a new birth, which is what we read about in John 3 at the beginning of the message, where, where Jesus says to Nicodemus, you have to be born again, and Nicodemus immediately goes, I have some questions. Nicodemus, you have to be born again. My mom's not going to be a big fan of that at this point, okay? No, 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 you, you don't understand. You, you were born physically, Nicodemus, but, but you have to be born spiritually as well. Okay, how do I do that? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, I am the way. I'm the truth, I'm the life. I'm, if you want to know what it means to have real life, you can trust in me. So maybe you're here this morning and you would wonder how I do that. Maybe, maybe this is interesting to you. Maybe you, the Lord is stirring your heart. And this is what the Bible says about how we come to know Christ. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. See, receiving Christ involves turning to God from yourself and trusting Christ to come into our lives to forgive us of our sins and to make us what he wants us to be. See, just to agree in your mind, just to agree on an intellectual level that yes, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died on the cross for our sins is not enough. And nor is it enough to have an emotional experience. When I was in the youth ministry, we called that the Thursday night youth camp experience, where everyone cried and everyone swore they were going to be best friends for the rest of their lives. And then a month later, school started and all that, had, they had forgotten all that. I've seen lots of emotional experiences that were about a millimeter deep. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a trust in Christ. We receive Jesus Christ by faith. As an act of the will. Now, uh, if you were here two weeks ago when, when DJ taught, these circles will seem familiar to you. But the Bible tells us about two people. The first circle that we see is described as a self-directed life. The, the S in the, in the picture represents yourself. And the seat represents the throne of your life. And the Bible would tell us that, that this person has themselves. They, they believe they sit on the throne of their life. Maybe in, you would consider it as a self-made man. I don't need anyone else. I, everything I have, I've earned. Everything I have is, is for me. But I would say that this is the way you, you view your life. You've not trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior because the Bible would have a very different picture for a follower of Christ. And that's 
the next picture of a Christ-directed life. One who's taken themselves off the throne and allowed Jesus Christ to come in and to take control and live in submission for Him, believing the very first law that we looked at today, that God loves you and has a wonderful, perfect plan for your life. And so this morning, as we begin to close, I would just simply ask, which circle best represents your life? Are you trying to take control of your life? Are you trying to sit in that driver's seat? Or have you surrendered everything to Christ Jesus? Saying, I want you to come in. I want, I want to surrender to your headship. The Bible would use, that, would use a word we call lordship. We surrender to Jesus as Lord, which simply means boss. Come and take over my life. A follow-up question to that would not, not just simply be which circle best represents your life, but which circle would you like to have represent your life? So if you would say, hey, I'm, I'm sitting in the driver's seat here, my, my follow-up question would be, how's that working for you? Life ever feel like it's out of control for you? Could, it, could that be because you're trying to run things yourself? Maybe you're here this morning, you'd say, I, I, I know that today's the day that I need to trust in Christ as Savior and Lord. I need to step off the throne of my life and I need to, I need to live my life in submission to Him, Lord and Savior. If that's you, um, I, I have a real simple prayer that I've put up here. L- let, me, let me make clear, there's no magic words. This is not like a magic formula or pixie dust or anything like that. This is just um, a model for you to be able to pray and ask Christ to come in and be the Savior of your life. And so here's what I want us to do. We, we don't do this real often here, but, but I would like us for, for every head to bow and every eye to close. And if you're here today and, and you would say that I've been living life my own way. This morning, I, I understand that God has a, a plan for my life. He loves me. He has a wonderful plan for my life. I, I believe that I... Yes, I am a sinner. I'm separated from God, and I don't want to live that way anymore. I want Christ to come in and save me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I I don't do this real often here, but but if that's you this morning, if if you would say that that, that you're ready to take that step in in trusting Christ Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, would would you just raise up your hand and say, yeah, that's, that's me today. I need to trust in Jesus. So if you've, if you've said that, I'm going to ask you just to pray this along with me. Again, there's no magic words. This is just a prayer asking Jesus to be the Savior of your life. Pray, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins And giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. 
If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you would say, yes, I believe I just now trusted in Christ Jesus. As soon as we stand and sing, I would love for you to come down and visit with you and, and, and pray with you. Thank God for what he just did in your life. And present you. Our, our church would like to celebrate with you as well and talk about where you, where you go from here. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the, the gospel that saves us. For the good news that when we're powerless to reach you, you reached down for us. This morning I pray there are men and women and children all across this room who have taken hold of your hand for the first time. Said, yes, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. I'm trusting that Almighty God has good things in store for my life. We ask that you'll move. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.